Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to see uh, each one here this morning. And uh, we're so thankful to have Dr. Wilson with us. Um, Pastor Mark, I think is what he goes by, but he is a, uh, on the faculty at Southern Wesleyan University as Assistant Professor of Discipleship, Multiplication, and Renewal. Uh, but prior to this, he served for 26 years as Senior Pastor of Hayward Wesleyan Church, a small town congregation in the North Woods of Wisconsin. And I've been under his leadership, under his uh, teaching and under his preaching, and uh, just God has used him in powerful ways in my life. But uh, mm -hmm. the church there in Wisconsin grew significantly under his leadership and became a catalyst for starting and revitalizing several other churches. Uh, his passion <laughs> is to encourage pastors and churches to be the best version of who God created them to be. Uh, he's the author of two books, Filled Up, Poured Out, and Purple Fish and is currently completing his doctorate through Wesley Seminary. Uh, Mark and his wife, Kathy, have five grown children, uh, and they currently live in Central South Carolina. But as he, he will be sharing, uh, after 26 years of leading a, a church and moving from the north woods of Wisconsin to Central South Carolina has been quite a transition. And so Mark, Pastor Mark has quite a bit to share with us today uh, from a person who has transitioned in ministry. And so uh, we want to turn it over to him and give him the time. And just as a reminder, at the end, we will be having a time of question and answer. Uh, so please, uh, if you want to put those in the chat, uh, just so you don't forget those or write them down, be sure to have those ready at the end. Pastor Mark. Yeah. Hey, it is really great to be with you guys. Thank you for, um, for, you know, having me come. And I just want to share a little bit about, um, change and transition because we're all in a time like that, aren't we? We're in a change season. I want to share my screen with you if that's all right. Let's see here. Oh, there we go. How about that? Navigating change and transition in 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 ministry. We're we are in one of those times, aren't we? Like this is a change season. I uh, the the word that I've heard let me see if I can there we go. Yeah, here it is. Hmm. Um can, can you guys see the thing or is it, um, is it kind of blocked up? It looks like I've, I've, I have a, a line of people over there. That's okay. No big deal. We're good. Um, anyway, like it's, it's unprecedented times is what it is. I mean, and, and you've heard that word, haven't you? Like unprecedented <laughs> 2020. We are all in change, whether we want change or, or not. And so, you know, that's, the way it's been here, like life, ministry, everything. Um, and I don't have to tell you that. That's not news for you, that everything's different. <laughs> and, and so we've had to think about this. We had to think about how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we, how do we deal with the changes? And, and so what, I, what I've done um, is I've thought about it here for you and also my life and COVID and all that. I tie it back to the most recent significant change that I had in my life. And, and that was uh, moving from the North Woods of Wisconsin to Central South Carolina um, and changing from being a pastor to being a professor. Although I like to say I'm, I'm a pastor cleverly disguised as a professor. <laughs> um, I, that, that was a major, major shift for us. And, and leaving Hayward um, was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life because I love that church and I love that community but I sensed that my time was done there. And, 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 and I'll, I'll give you some reasons for that in a little bit. Um, but, but he was also calling me to something new. And, and, but that, that in between, 
was so, so hard. And, and so what I want to do today is to talk about, um, well, three main things. Um, one is how do, you, how do you navigate and understand change and transition? And then the second thing is how do you know when it's time to go? Like, like maybe it's time to just, you know, go do something else. And the third thing would be, how do you know when it's time just to stay in there and grow in this situation? So that's kind of what we'll be looking at today. And, and in the framework of it, just a couple of quick verses. One, of course, from Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or discouraged. The, the Lord your God, he'll go with you wherever you go. And then also Isaiah, uh, I'm doing a new thing. He says, don't dwell on the past. Don't say, when is it going to get back to normal? There isn't a back to normal. We move forward to a new normal, and now it springs up. And so don't you see that that's what it is? So, so just a few thoughts about change. Um, first of all, like change is just, it's just a fact of life, right? And, and, and change is, is hard, and it's uncomfortable. Uh, wasn't it Mark Twain that said, uh, the only person that likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. <laughs> um, of course, I don't think that's totally true. I, I like change when it's my idea, like when it's my change. I like that a lot. Now, when it's somebody else's change, I don't like that a bit. So one day I came home from work and Kathy had changed the furniture. It was horrible. She had done such a terrible thing. She was happy about the change and it took me a while to adjust to it. But change is, is, is hard. Um, second thing, that I want to say about it is change is, is life and life is change. There's no such thing as an unchanging life. Like even like right now, let's say we're what, about 10 minutes into this thing. What that means that uh, you've shed 300,000 uh, to 400,000 skin cells just in the time that we've been together, just skin cells shedding all over the place. <laughs> like, we, we change, we, we, we renew, uh, even physically, biologically, we do that. Uh, it, it's just a part of, of, of living is, is changing. And so even though we're against change and we don't like it when it happens, I don't, it's just a part of the process, right? And, and even if you, you decide, I'm not gonna change, I'm, I'm just, we're not gonna change anything guess what? You're going to change anyway, either intentionally or unintentionally, you're going to change. So there was this town that I used to travel through when I visited my mother. And, and for 26 years, I would drive through this little town and they never changed anything, not one thing, but the town changed anyway. I mean, after a while, um, stores started closing up, their, their boards over the windows the sign that used to hang dangled just by one. I mean, it changed. Um, it changed through disintegration. Um, and so the question you got to ask is, okay, if, if things are going to change anyway, what kind of change do I want to have in my life? What, what kind of changes do I want to implement? And, and maybe like when, you, when you're done changing, you're through, right? When you're through changing. Although even there, you're still changing, right? Your body is moldering in the grave. You're still changing. Um, and, and in heaven, right? Even there, the change is going to happen. Um, uh, we shall not all sleep. We shall all be, what? Changed, the Bible says, in the last day. So it's even change is eternal, too. 
So um, what we want to just say then is change is not really a problem. It's a fact of life. A, a, a problem is something you can do something about. And, and, and there are some changes maybe we can do something about, but there are other things that we can't do anything about. And so that's not really a problem then. That's just a fact. And, and so you want to deal with the, with the facts. Now, as we deal with that, that's uh, called transition. So, so change is the event, but transition is the emotional response that we have to that event, the process that we go through on the inside as we deal with the changes that we have. And these, these responses, they, they um, often, they, they are negative emotions that come with change. That's why we don't like change, right? These negative transitionary responses. And just here are some of them, like just anxiety, sadness, discouragement, anger. Have you felt any of that over the last few months? Any of those? <laughs> I'll bet you anything you have because we've been through change and we've had transition, the emotional response, and it comes out this way. And you take all these responses and you put them together, you pack them together. And, and the best word to describe that is stress. Stress, this is the intensified emotional pressure that comes when we're dealing with the transition that accompanies change. And, and missionaries are, are a high stress category, right? I mean, you guys are, are in major stress. Just the nature of your work itself is stressful. And then to add on top of it a global pandemic and then all the other stuff that's been happening in the world, uh, man, that just intensifies the stress that's already intense. Um, this is true for pastors. And I, I, I've, I've spoken to so many pastors over the last few months and they're discouraged. They're, they're really going through heavy stuff. And, and it's because of this, because of this heavy stress that they're carrying, I think. And so um, I, I remember as I was dealing with the stress of leaving Hayward, I talked to a counselor about it. I, I, I couldn't, you know, I just was really struggling with leaving and it was so hard for me. And what he said to me was, um, as you're processing your stress, you, you need to work it out. If you don't work it out, you'll act it out or it'll break out. And, and we've seen this happen at the school, for instance, right about last week is the time, right? It's, this, it's, it's the middle of October. Every year so far, it's when this, the, the semester gets really hard. There's like one or two students that have a blowout. <laughs> And, and they do stupid, stupid things and, and they get kicked out of school or whatever, you know, and, and why does that happen? And, and a, well, the devil gets on their shoulder, but, but a part of it is, is they're acting it out. They're acting out the stress that's there. That doesn't justify it. Um, if, if you don't work it out, it'll, it'll either act it out or, or it'll break out. And the breakout comes in depression or, 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 um, and diarrhea, <laughs> it'll come in all kinds of ways physically uh, to, to you and break out. And then uh, you've seen pastors have affairs and blow up their ministry and stuff. That's when they acted it out. And so, you know, the more healthy approach to that, of course, is to, uh, to work it out, right? To work it out, to process this thing in a healthy way, to process it up. Um, this is what Matthew Bloom talked about. Uh, he's the researcher from Notre Dame that studied 
flourishing and he actually uh, looked at ministry in flourishing and, and how do you flourish as a minister? And, and he, he said there are three in, ingredients, uh, daily happiness, meaningful purpose and resilience. And when he said daily happiness, he doesn't mean that you're just, every day is a happy day. It can be really crummy, horrible, awful days, but there's still a happy moment in the day. Somehow, some way you find some happiness somewhere every day if you can. To remember why you're doing what you're doing so you have something meaningful that you're engaged in and to figure out ways to, to bounce back. And, and when it comes to bouncing back and finding daily happiness, I just have a few thoughts on that. I don't have time to unpack these very well, but, but, but here, they, here they are. Um, the first is looking for a center of, of rest. And when I say a center of rest, um, there was, there was a, a monk I remember reading, Dorf was his name, who said that um, what, we have it backwards. Um, what we do is we work, 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 that's the center, and then we crash. And then we work, 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 and then we crash. And, and he said the, the Hebrew understanding of rest and day is much better. Like the, the Hebrew understanding of day starts with the evening, right? There's evening and there's morning the first day. There's evening and morning the second day. And so, so when you do the evening, you start with rest. You start your day by laying down to rest, and then you come out of it replenished to do the work. And so then it's rest and work, rest and work, rest and work. You seek the center of, of rest. Uh, cultivate gratitude and generosity uh, um, uh, and, and wonder. And, and, then, and then monitor your moods, right? You monitor stuff like your moods and your appetites, uh, your, your energy level, how you're dealing with people. If you find you're short, you know, <laughs> if you're doing that, well, it's probably a sign you need to take a breather somehow, put some space into your life or something like that. Sometimes we don't even know that we're not doing well until we monitor these things. Uh, maybe get outside. I, I don't know if, if you're an outdoorsy person or not, but, but a lot of people are. And if, just sometimes taking a walk in the woods will do that for you. Um, uh, being a splendid imperfectionist. Outside, you know, doing ball or whatever. No, would have to deal with the coat. Me on the other hand. I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, okay, never mind. Um, uh, sometimes perfectionism gets in the way for us, right? It, 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 it does. And if we, can, if we can just figure out a way to be a splendid imperfectionist, <laughs> it, helps, it helps with that stress level. Uh, finding somebody that works beside you and, and somebody that you can confide in, maybe that doesn't work beside you is a good idea. Uh, and then just being true to to who you really are. My, my, my wife, Kathy, has a, a, a way of, of handling this too. She says R plus T plus M. She's wise. R plus T plus M. R stands for reality. Face reality as it is, not as I wish it would be, but just embrace reality as it really is instead of sitting around wishing it would be different. Uh, trust in God with the reality that we have in our lives. And then, and then just move, just, just take the next step to do the next right thing. Reality, trust, move. R plus T plus M. We, we remind each other of that all the time. Well, R plus T plus M. <laughs> R plus T plus M. And, and it helps. It, it really helps us. 
And so that brings us to the, this question. Uh, if we're in the middle of this stressful situation and, and things are hard and we're facing hard realities, um, should I stay or should I leave? When is it time? When is it time to, to do this? Um, in the book of Joel, it says uh, there are multitudes that are in the valley of decision. And, and certainly um, there are a lot of people that are in that valley of, of, of decision. Uh, I, again, I, a DS I talked to recently said that he's had several pastors talk to him and they said, I think maybe it's time to hang up my spurs. I, I think it's time. In fact, even right now, like at Southern Wesleyan University, our board is meeting today to talk about what we're gonna do because our, our president has retired or he's going to retire in June. And it's, it's, it's the valley of decision, right? So, so how do we do this? Like, what if, we're, what if we're stuck and we're struggling? The question is, is it time to go or is it time to grow? That's the big question, isn't it? Now, the first option would be to reboot, right? To, to stay there, to stay where you are, to reimagine, to reboot it, and, and to have a new, fresh approach to things. I found this in my 26 years in Hayward. I had to reboot probably about every three to five years. I found that I had to do a major reboot, a, re, a major reimagining, a major revisioning. Um, I remember once I, I went into my staff meeting and said, you guys, um, I want you to fire me. And they said, you, we can't, you're our boss. And I said, well, fire me anyway. And they said, okay, you're fired. And I said, well, you're fired too. And then they said, well, you can't do that because we fired you. You're not our boss anymore. <laughs> and, and, and what I was trying to do was to, to then we, re, we all rehired ourselves and we said, okay, now we're brand new at this thing. Um, we're, the, we're the new pastor, the new pastoral team here. What would we do if we were brand new coming in? And this is the reboot idea, to reimagine it. So the first option is to, to grow. But that may not be the option for you. Maybe it's time to go. How do you know when it's time to go? That's the big question. It's the same question Kenny Rogers said, right? You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. <laughs> you got to know when to run. Uh, there are some times where that's the most appropriate response, <laughs> particularly if the church board members are coming after you, right? <laughs> you got to know when to run. So when, when God's calling it might be time to go. Now, I, I probably should say it is time to go, except for sometimes you think God's calling and maybe it's not. Maybe it's just the bad pizza that you had the night before and, and you interpreting that to be God calling. So you want to confirm this. Well, you want to confirm whether or not it's really his calling or whether you're just kind of going through a funk and you're trying to talk yourself into believing that God's calling you to leave. <laughs> um, so you got to confirm it. Here's how you confirm it. You... Um, you seek balanced wisdom. And what I mean by balanced wisdom is you're, you, you find somebody that you respect a lot. Like when I was processing my decision, I went to my good friend, Ron Gormong. I don't know if anybody here knows Ron or not. He, he's a great missionary supporter. Um, and I sat down with Ron and I said, I'm just processing this, but I think maybe it's time. And he helped me come to that decision. I don't think I would have had enough strength to do it by myself but he helped me see it. Um, I talked to my DS, my authority, uh, Dan Bickle, and he helped me that with that. 
I talked to Kathy, who loves me the most, and she processed that with me. And I talked to my best friend, and he, he gave me permission. I'm so grateful. He was my best friend in the church. He, he's my dearest, dearest friend, even to this day. And he gave me permission. And that helped me, because if he wouldn't have, if, if he would have withheld that, it would have been so hard. And then I actually consulted a counselor who works with missionaries and pastors, and, and he helped me too. So, so this balance is like a stereo thing. You don't just get one person and, and, and keep it a tip-top, you know, state secret. Um, you want to be careful. You don't want to broadcast this everywhere. You have to hold, hold it closely. But, but I would say seek balanced wisdom before you pull the trigger and, and quit. Let me give you a few other ways, uh, times when it might be time to go. When, when you've lost your vision for the work. See, this is how I knew at, at Hayward it was time for me to go. I, I, I went on a vision retreat. I always did this. Every October, I would go on a vision retreat. And I would come back like Moses, coming back with my commandments <laughs> down the mountain. And here we go. This is it. This is the vision for the next chapter for this year. And I went on this vision retreat. And nothing came for three days. I was in a cabin uh, alone with God and got nothing, nothing. It's the first time in 26 years that it happened. Well, 25, I guess, because my, anyway, the first time. And I didn't know what to do about that. I, I was totally bewildered because I always had, I came back with some inspiration and this time nothing. And as I was driving home, the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart. And I knew, even though I didn't want to know, I knew the reason why I didn't have a vision was because God didn't want to give me a vision that somebody else was going to carry out. That the reason why he didn't give me a vision was because he was giving me a whole new destination. And, and I, I had lost my vision for the place, for the work. And, 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 and I couldn't get it because, you know, in fact, if you're just trying to come up with a vision, that's called hallucination. That's not a vision. Uh, a vision is seeing what God is really doing. And since he didn't show me, I knew. And then God confirmed it with my friends, my wife, you know, and, and it was a process. In fact, my board said, take, take a sabbatical, <laughs> take six weeks and get away and just pray. And, but I knew it made it even more clear when I went away. Um, this ties to vision, but when you've lost your passion for the place, it might be time to go. Now, it doesn't mean that it is time to go. It just it might, you might need to just have a reinvigoration of passion. But if you can't reinvigorate that, the, what the last thing you wanna do is just, just go through life passionless. You, 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 you wanna live with, with, so you can get up in the morning and, 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 and have meaning in this thing, meaningful purpose in your day. If you've lost your passion for the place, this comes out in your love for the people, and 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 that that you 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 you're grateful that you're doing what you're doing, and if they become irritations and and it's just like oh, and you're slogging through, that could be a sign. And if you stay, if you're staying there, is detrimental to the work there. And I've seen this happen. I've seen pastors stay longer than they should. Um, and the reason why they stayed because it was easier for them to stay than it is to leave. But what they were doing was taking it downhill. And they were taking it downhill in a bad way. 
And if you, if you, if you look at it and you say, am I faithful to the calling God's given to me? Am I really being faithful to this? And if I'm not, then, then I shouldn't stay. I, I, I should go do something else. Um, this is a big one. This is probably one of the biggest ones. When most of your energy is being spent sideways, it might be time to go. Like, like when, when you're having all these con drama conversations, when it's all just like, when you're not moving it forward, but everything's just sideways. You gotta, now it may not be that. It, it might be more that you just need to fix the leak, whatever that leak is of the vision and the purpose and the passion. Um, I, I had a, a, my air light came on this morning on my way to work. I'm gonna have to go check that out, find out what's going on on my tire. Um, but, but if your energy is being spent sideways, it's like a leak in the tire. You got to figure this out. And, and, and because life's too short to spend your whole life just going sideways, going in circles. You want to go forward, right? This ties to that too. If you lack the capacity or the energy for the necessary changes that it's going to take to move it forward, then it might be time to go. And this was for me. This was it. See, I don't think I lack the capacity. Maybe I did. I'm not sure. I, I might because I, I created all kinds of situations as a leader. <laughs> I created them and now I got to lead my way out of this thing. And, and I'm not, I think I had the capacity, but I didn't have the energy to do that. What it would take where a new person, Chad McCallum came in. Awesome, awesome, wonderful guy. And, and he came in with the energy to take it to the whole new level and I was so grateful for Chad. When it's impossible to be the best version of you, it might be time to go. Like when, when you can't be yourself authentically, when you have to pretend to be something that you're not, it might be time to go or at least have a com an honest conversation about it to get to that, right? If, if the work itself is detrimental to your family, it might be time to go. Now, there are times in all ministry where there are things that happen that's detrimental to your family. I mean, that's just part of the thing. You know, late nights and early mornings and extra energy required, and you got to be there. And, you, you know, there are things like that. that, that that's understandable. But if in the long haul, and if it just continually is detrimental to your family, not detrimental moments or, or, or difficult moments, but, but when it's just damaging to your family, um, you really need to consider that. And because I don't think God wants you to sacrifice your family on the altar of, of ministry. And if the work itself is damaging to your soul, it might be time to go. Isn't that something that the work for God can actually damage the work of God inside of us if we're not careful? We, we need to be sure that we're doing what God wants us to do in the way that he wants us to do it so that, that, that our souls are not damaged in the process of serving the one who loves us the most. And, and if they tell you to go, it might be time to go. Now, that would be a clue, right? <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> you you got to go. You need, you need to leave. Okay, well, I guess that's the, the, the will of the Lord and the will of the board. They go off. They go right together. <laughs> um, so, so let's say there's a decision that happens, and it's not your decision. 
and and you it it you know it, you didn't want to go but they told you you got to go um I, I just would like to say a couple things about that just you want to respond on this thing with respond with grace and, and try not to react to it try to do the jesus thing and say father forgive them they know not what they do even if they're idiots even if they were totally wrong even if it was it was just bad bad painful horrible decision you don't want to go in a protest right you want to go with grace and dignity and show respect to everybody and speak well of them speak well of them so that they will they will welcome you to come back right you, you want to when they have an anniversary celebration they'll want they would be happy to have you come back don't leave in a way that burns bridges and stuff and so yeah you want to go with blessings and go out with joy and be led forth with peace that's how you want to go with your 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 head held high and 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 your 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 heart with praise to God, you go with, with grace. Okay, let me tell you about when not to go, all right? This is when you're not supposed to go, all right? So no matter what, don't go under these circumstances. Don't, don't quit on a Monday. I'm not sure how it works with missionaries, whether Monday is that day or not. But as a pastor, for me, it was Monday. There was one pastor that said, he called it bread truck Monday, when the idea of driving a bread truck was a whole lot better than being a pastor. He said, if I could just drive a bread truck. For me, it never was bread truck. It was Walmart greeter. I thought, if I could just be a Walmart greeter, wouldn't that be awesome? I would love being a Walmart greeter. Um, the Walmart greeter Monday. So I resigned on Monday a thousand times. But then Kathy said, no, you're not. Just wait till Tuesday. And then Tuesday got better. So then I didn't quit on a month. Don't never quit on uh, what Arch Heart calls adrenaline letdown day. So Monday was adrenaline letdown day for a pastor because you give all everything on a Sunday and then you're wiped out. And so whatever that day is for you. So like for youth pastors, for instance, it's usually Thursday morning uh, because Wednesday night is that, you know, and then Thursday's adrenaline letdown day. So whatever your adrenaline letdown day is, don't don't quit on that day. Just give it a little bit of time just to make sure, right? Don't, don't quit when a, when a meeting goes bad. I mean, there, I can't tell you how many bad board meetings I had over the years. Uh, and, and I remember the first time that one of them happened like that. I talked to a mentor and said, maybe I should resign. Boy, it was a bad board meeting. And he said, no, you don't need to resign. You just need to lead better meetings. <laughs> you, need to, you need to do a better job making the meeting go. The reason why it happened was because it went off the rails because you didn't lead it very well. And, and it was really true. And, and I learned how to lead better meetings. So I had less board meetings where it felt like resigning at the end. But there were a lot of them where I felt that way. You don't want to quit over a bad board or committee meeting or team meeting. Don't quit because of a few snarky critics. Don't quit. Uh oh, it says my internet connection is unstable. Um, are we okay? Am I frozen? Okay, here you go. Um, don't don't quit just because of a few critics. Uh, I've seen this happen where we're just a two or three negative people, like they they'll they'll run a a pastor or a missionary out when when it was just two or three. It wasn't everybody. It was just those vocal critical, carnal, cantankerous people. Um, don't let those people win. You don't want to do that. Uh, well, I guess unless that's your whole board or something or your whole, <laughs> if that's the case, then shake the dust off your feet and move on, you know. Um, 
but, but don't, don't let a few neg- naysayers get in the way. Critics, hey, if you're going to do anything worthwhile, somebody's going to criticize. Don't quit in a huff. If you're mad, wait till you're unmad before you quit. And, and, and don't quit uh, just because the job is stretching you. It might seem like it's too big. I remember I, when our, our church grew a little bit and I was, it was overwhelming and it, there was more people than I can handle. And I was like, oh no. And I told Kathy, I'm, I'm going to quit. And she said, no, do you dare? You, you just grow into it. She goes, you need to grow into it. Um, the, the job grew bigger than you. Now you need to grow into it. And, and you, you always want to have a job that's a little bit bigger than you, right? If, you, if it's smaller than you, you're going to get bored. And if it's too much bigger than you, that might be the time to do that, you know, but, but if it's, it, that's the energy capacity thing I was talking about earlier. But, but to have a stretch is a good thing. Don't, don't quit when you're feeling stretched and pinched. And don't quit when you're sleep deprived, exhausted, or depleted, or, or hungry. <laughs> don't, 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 don't quit until you've had a nap. Maybe that's the most spiritual thing you can do is just go take a nap. And, and, and don't quit too soon. Um, because the victory might be just, just around the corner. It really might be. One thing to remember, I think, in this with your ministry, your ministry is, oh, I, I meant to say is not. Ah, oh, that's funny. Your ministry is not the gulag. <laughs> Maybe you're feeling, yes, it is the gulag. That's what it is. I'm in the gulag. I'm there for life. I'm in a life sentence. And Oh, that is hilarious. I meant to say your ministry is not the gulag, and it is not. So if you feel that it's the gulag, if you feel like you have been sentenced to Siberia for the rest of your life, um, you want to look at this and say, what is the source of that guilt and obligation? Like, am I staying here only out of guilt and obligation, and I feel like I've been relegated to this terrible punishment place um, for some horrible thing that I did in my adolescence or something. Um, well, that's not Jesus. Jesus brings joy into this, right? Now, not maybe not every moment of every day, and there are hard things, but you're not in a lifetime prison sentence. I think he gives you some options in this deal. And, and if you feel like you're in prison, you really want to look at this and say, maybe I'm not. Maybe, maybe... I'm, I'm not. And, and, and if, even if it's a hard place, and maybe I know for sure God wants me to be there, he's doing it to teach me something. And it's not forever this way, right? Um, you meant it for evil, but, but the Lord meant it for good, is what Joseph said. So if you're going to stay, the, the, the deal here is to try to stay well, stay well. And I mean that in two ways, to stay well as a person on the inside, but be well in your staying, like the sense of well-being, R plus T plus M, uh, giving yourself space to breathe, um, to graciously submit to the authorities that are in your life. That's the way you stay well. To love all the people all the time, if you can, stay well. To be wholeheartedly engaged in the mission uh, that God has given to you, stay well. And to to practice faithful presence means to, to stay well. And to remember this, um, Christ goes with us wherever we go and whether we stay, right? I'll be with you always, he says. You guys have used the Great Commission. You use that when you're sermon, when you go out and do a deputation and stuff. Um, 
well, the last part is the is probably the most um, neglected part of the Great Commission. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So whether I go or whether I stay, Christ is with me and I'm going to walk with him all the way. So one final thought here I, I have for you is maybe um, maybe what you need you might need to do, particularly if you've been beating yourself up and you've been struggling, going through the stress and it's hard, and you've been grinding. You, you go to the, the restroom, the bathroom, it's your, your home, look at yourself in the mirror and you smile and you say grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. And really mean it because God's grace is sufficient and, and he's with you all the way. And that's kind of what I, I had here. And um, let me unshare now just for a minute. And um, I wondered is, if anybody has any any thought or question. I mean, I, I've shared a lot of things, you know, through, uh, but, but I wondered if, if there's anything, maybe anybody would like to unpack a little bit more. Well, Mark. Yeah. Uh, as you, as you're looking at this, and and say you're you're you are going through one of these times, and some of the and say several of these things are are coming up against you. How long do you do you uh, go through the process that you talked about of of counsel, looking to somebody else to give you advice, um, uh, counseling? Uh, uh, that list of people that you talked about talking yeah, to. Yeah. How, how long do you consider a, a healthy time for that process to go on? Yeah, well, I, some I, of us do it really quickly, and then some yeah. of us just keep it going for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And and there's probably a too too quickly or too abruptly you would make the decision. You you want to be careful on that, but you don't want to make the drag it out forever. You know. Um. You know, I had lots of times where I pondered whether I should go or not in Hayward. I mean, I had different things that came to me and I had to weigh it out and it would rattle me and I'd go home and tell Kathy. And she goes, no, we're not going there. You know, the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of Kathy sound an awful lot alike. <laughs> um, but for me, it was a period of months. I, I would say, I would see that there were, there were, there were things already brewing in my heart and some things that I knew needed to be fixed. And could I do that? That was probably back in August, but it was October when I had my vision, lack of vision thing. So the August, October, it was in November where I went on my sabbatical and I talked to Ron Gormong. I came back from my sabbatical at the end of November and announced my resignation. So August, September, October, it was four months for me for that. I don't know if that's optimal, if it's healthy, if it's, um, I'm not sure. Oh, okay, question, what, what's the difference? How do you diagnose between loss of passion and emotional fatigue? Um, and that's a great question. For emotional fatigue, uh, which, or, or burnout can be the same kind of thing. That's the difference, by the way, between burnout and stress. Stress is this pressure, you know, you're feeling, and, and burnout is, is when you just don't see it. I mean, it's just, 
you, you kind of end up like that just like you don't see how things are going to get better in the future and sometimes these things go together um i i i think that um if if you can have a break and do some rejuvenation i think that's what that's what my board was saying to me um why i should go take a sabbatical because they were thinking it was just emotional fatigue um and i was tired but it was more than that i think if you take a a break are you able to take some time if you're possibly able to do that for a little bit and and examine it i don't know if you're allowed to or not i don't know how that works you know but um i i would say that in in if, if you're in an, an emotional fatigue place then then i would do everything i could to um to find space whatever it is to find replenishment um that that's apart from the work uh, whether that would be a day or two, or whatever you can get, um, or even if if they if you're on every day, then 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 take an hour somewhere just to try. I, the the more the more space you can take for that, to examine that, because you want to examine your emotional fatigue and find out why why am I feeling this way. I mean that it was tied to to emotional fatigue was a part of my vision. Thing. I, I really was. It was. It was. It was definitely connected to that. But but God was using that to help me to dislocate. See, if it would have been too comfortable for me, I would have stayed in Hayward forever because I loved Hayward. You know, I mean, and 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 God was trying to get me here so I could invest in this new generation of pastors. When I was in the angst of that, I didn't know about Southern Wesleyan University. I I it it was excruciatingly awful. Um, it was only after I had jumped out of the airplane without a parachute that God said, okay, this is really what I had for you. Um, and that was tough. Let's see, do we have any other? Other uh, thoughts or questions or anything? Oh, any advice when both spouses do not feel that the Lord has given them the same leading? Oh, wow. Now that's a great question. You basically the way, yeah, here, well, here's how we handled that. Stay or go. Like Kathy was always the one that helped me to realize I needed to stay. <laughs> So if it would have been up to me, I probably would have left 20 times, you know, <laughs> but she was my anchor, you know, and so basically we would probably go with the stay person. Um, but the last time was different and she knew the last time was different for me. She knew it was different. And because she knew it was different for me, she had it. She, she said, I would rather stay. But I think you're right. It's I think it's it is time to go. And you, you got to come to an agreement about that. You can't you, you don't want to leave one person. It's time to go. You know, you, so I would I would lean more towards the spouse that says stay. But process through why they want to stay and why do I want to leave? And, and, and then you look at the reasons and you might see that the reason why I want to stay is because 
well, my grandkids are here, that it's be easier, it's like, you know, those things might have a factor into it. And then you say, well, that maybe not be the reason why we stay, even though we'd like to, you know, it's more because of this. I, I think God will put you together. I mean, he's calling both of you together. He's not calling one of you to leave one of you to stay. <laughs> so, so he'll, I would say, pray, don't make any changes, pray it through until you get there. Any other, um, actually this works with the chat thing. I'm halfway deaf. That's because I listened to Bob Dylan in headphones when I was a teenager. That's why I got these things on right now so I can hear you. <laughs> well, good enough. I think, um, you know, I don't wanna belabor it here. Uh, uh, could I just say something? I. I didn't get all of your points on staying well. And I think that's a really important thing as missionaries. We are often living in a very intense world and um, just thinking about how we stay well and not allowing everything to, to just overwhelm us and overpower us. If we have habits of staying well, I don't, I didn't get all of your points. So I don't know, yeah, maybe yeah. we could go through that a bit. Again. Yeah, there there were a couple of there were there were a couple of things I had on that. Like earlier on, earlier on in this in in the session, I was talking about the resilience and and those kinds of things. What I can do is share my PowerPoint. How about that? I'll I'll send my PowerPoint um, uh, to 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 Greg. Could you do that, Greg? And then you and then you pass it along, or or Bob, sure. or you. And then and then that way um, that way you guys can have it. Um, and, but I, I think that the, there's two parts to staying well. One, one is for your own well-being, staying well. And the other is for the work as you are staying, that you're staying well with them. There, there, there's a difference between those two. In fact, sometimes when I'm doing really well with them, I'm not doing so well on with me. <laughs> you got to balance that, right? It, and so... Um, so for the well-being part of it, it's more about finding space. Uh, at least for me, it is breathing space for my soul to breathe, whatever it is that makes my soul sing. So for me, it's reading poetry. It's taking walks in the woods. It's for me, it's listening to either bluegrass or classical music. Um, it's taking a Sabbath for me. And, and when I do Sabbath, I don't do churchy stuff. I mean, what church? I go to church, but, but, but I don't, like, I, I, like I, I, I read fiction on my Sabbath and, and, um, and, and smell flowers and go to waterfalls and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, that's just part of that well-being piece. But staying well with them, it, it, it means slowing down my pace enough so that I can actually physically, emotionally be with people, present with people, rather than my mind whirling. If I'm doing that, uh, my mind whirling, I'm not really engaging with these people as they're with me. And, and that's a tendency that I have is to ramp it on out. And, and I wanna be present with them, to love people well, to value and treasure them, to be grateful, cultivate gratitude, those kinds of things. Um, so, so there's a two pronged side to staying well. One is my own internal well-being, and then the other is my relating and connecting and leading, like loving the place that I'm called to, and, and just knowing that I'm here for a reason, and, and they're not 
burdens to me, they're delights to me. And then the, our families are a part of that picture as well, very much. How our children, you know, how we, that's yep. another side of that as well, I think. Yeah, that is. Now, we didn't let, <laughs> we, Kathy and I didn't let our kids have a vote on that one. I, we, we, um, <laughs> I, we probably should have. In fact, when I came to SWU, uh, one of my one of my sons was my worship pastor up in Hayward, and another one of my sons was a student at SWU. He had come down. He was married. He had his own life, and it was the first time in his life where he was known apart from me. And so my son up in Hayward said to me, Dad, you're going to ruin my life if you leave. And my son from Southern Wesleyan said, Dad, you're going to ruin my life if you come. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to ruin two lives this way. <laughs> I said, well, too bad. <laughs> so I ruined both their lives. Um, <laughs> actually, it didn't ruin their lives at all. They, my son in Hayward is flourishing better than he ever would have under my shadow. And my son uh, that was down here, he graduated. And he's back up in Wisconsin now. <laughs> yeah, Perry. That I jumped in here. There is one thing that's uniquely different now and more than ever. Missionaries are actually supposed to be working towards this concept. We're supposed to be working to transition out, which does add a new dynamic to that. Oh, yeah. And actually, I've kind of been thinking about it a lot. We kind of really should be thinking about exit strategies. Maybe that's a new concept or different, but in, in, in what I think through, this has always been kind of, you know, how do I get to the point where I can leave? And that might be another thing to think about because in reality, we're not supposed to be permanent. We're not supposed to think too long. We're actually supposed to be thinking, there's, I have to think about the day where I, I need to leave and I need to plan for that. Whereas yeah. in ministry, pastoral ministry, that's a little different perspective. You're actually trying to think, how can I stay and be effective in staying, <laughs> whereas how can I plan to leave and be effective in that process of leaving? You know, I would differentiate maybe, I, I, I know it depends on how you would use the word. I use transition as the emotional response. And I'm thinking that there are two strategies here. One is a change strategy, but the other is how do you navigate the emotional dynamics that are involved in this in, as you extricate? Like, because there would, there would be that part too, I would think. There's, there's both happening at the same time. Yeah, and we need, in a sense, we need to be planning for that reality, that that transition has to come, actually. Yeah. We have to be working towards that and be healthy in that process and creating a lack of dependency. It's kind of a, a, another factor in this. That is really good. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Wow, this is great. Well, we have a couple more minutes, maybe, if anybody has any other um, thought, question. You're, you're, Perry, you're, you're so true. They, like, that's your whole job, isn't it? To work yourself out of a job. <laughs> well, I, I will send the, the, the PowerPoint 
to to you guys. Um, that way you can have some stuff with that. Um, some other, um, some books maybe that have been helpful on this. Um, Arch Hart, Archibald Hart, he's written stuff on burnout and stress. Um, there's a book called Necessary Endings that helped me a lot. I, I forget the guy's name. He's a counselor though, but anybody, he, um, Cloud, I think, is it Henry Cloud? Maybe, uh, anyway, that, that's a really good book. Uh, that, that helped me process. Um, let's say that it is time to go. The other thing you have to figure out when you think about the exit strategy, like once you make your decision, how long should you give and how do you tell people and how do you go about that whole process? That's a, that's a whole other <laughs> uh, story. Um, there's actually grant money that's been awarded for, to, from Lilly to different organizations just trying to help pastors and missionaries figure that out. And I don't know who's who got it, but, but I know some people... We, we applied for one of those and didn't get it, but, but somebody did. And, and it, would be, um, it would be really helpful, I think, once we find that research, what, what's the time frames and what's the healthiest way to go about doing this? Any other questions? Uh, Christy, I saw your question on there and I'm not sure, did, did that get addressed to the extent that you would like? Yeah, it's, it's hard with kids. You, you don't want to wreck their lives, you know, I, and you really don't. Um, and, and I think that the kids, well, I think part of the reason why we stayed so long in Hayward, honestly, um, was because our kids grew up there. And, and it was a wonderful place for kids to grow up. And after our youngest one graduated, she was already graduated from high school before we left. It would have been a lot harder to leave, and while we while they were in that process, I think doesn't mean I wouldn't have left if it would have been bad for the place. My energy was all sideways, you know, all those kinds of things. If you have multiples of those together, um, then I'm not, I'm not saying everybody ought to stay till their kids all graduate. I don't think that's true, um, but it is a factor. Well, Greg, I think I'll turn it back over to you, sir. Well, thank you again, Pastor Mark. That was that was wonderful teaching, and I I think as we go back over this and and review through the about six pages of notes I took, probably more questions may come up. Uh, so, it, it, with with your permission, if if others have questions after they some that will be watching the the recording and. Uh, also, some of us who maybe go back through some of this, would it be okay if we were to maybe email, gather some of those questions and email them to you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I, I put I put my email on, on the slide, the last one, but then I, I, I just put over that too quickly, but that was for that reason. Um, I would be honored to help process. In fact, sometimes it helps to have somebody that's not involved in the whole thick of things that's safe. And, and I'd be happy to do that for you. Anytime, anytime. Great. Well, thank you again for your time. And um, thanks for everyone who has been able to join. And uh, we look forward to sharing the recording with those who were not able to join.